Welcome and thanks for listening to the Spirit of Time podcast. It's a spirited discussion of watch topics and some of the cool bon vivant stuff that overlaps our hobby, especially fine spirits, craft beer, cocktails, and wine. In other words, if it's boozy, smoky, sudsy, or smooth, we'll probably talk about it. Think of it as a watch-focused happy hour for your commute. We are your hosts. I am Matt. I'm Greg. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Once again, back. It's the incredible. Thank you for uh, tuning in to Spirit of Time podcast. I am joined today by, I would say, kind of, you know, guest host, uh, new watch friend, um, Hodinky alum. It is none other than Brandon Manancio. How are you, Brandon? It's good to see you, dude. Matt, what's going on? Um, good. Doing great. Um, yep. Uh, just hanging out, uh, wearing some watches, thinking about making some videos on watches and, and chilling out. How about you? Dude, it's the end of the day on a Friday. We still have, you can tell like we had the the solstice about 30 days ago, right? Or 30 mm-hmm. odd days. So we get, we're getting a little bit longer every day and it's, uh, there's still a little bit of sun. So I'm happy. And dude, this is great. We, by way of background for people listening, Brandon and I hooked up for, uh, for beers at a local place here in Southern California. And it was just absolutely pouring down rain and the circumstances weren't great for a, a live uh, recording, so we decided, hey, we'll just put a pin in it for a few days and do like an act two, and meet here. Greg uh, is off; he's kind of got new new stuff happening, and I think you know we may have to allot him a little bit of extra, like breathing space for a few weeks. Being the pod is basically not going to be a priority for a few weeks while he's kind of getting everything squared away with his new situation, which is all good, by the way. Um, but just not as much free time while he's adjusting. And I appreciate you coming on, man. No, thanks for having me. Thank you. Well, hey, dude, this is, uh, I think everybody knows, we talk about watches and we talk about booze, maybe not as much about booze today, but we start every episode with a wrist check and a pour check. You are the guest. Why don't you lead off, man? What do you have on the wrist and do you have anything in the glass? Uh, so for the glass, unfortunately I do have a little, so I was, so a little background, I was sick for Christmas and for new years and it was, it, uh, it was terrible. I think one day I went through like three boxes of tissue that it, it was not fun at all. Um, but I, I overcame that sickness and now as of a couple days ago, maybe yesterday, actually, I'm starting to get a little tickle in my throat again. And my wife was actually sick um, last week, so now I'm nervous uh, and uh, not boozing today. <laughs> I'm having a good old H2O in this little bottle right here. Um, unfortunately, no booze for me because I'm just so scared of what happened for Christmas and New Year's. But um, yeah, water for me. Um, I was considering, I have a bottle of Habiki from uh, my local Costco in the uh, cupboard. I was going to have a glass of that, but uh, no. I'm going to be safe. Water, water. Um, on the wrist, I have, um, it's actually on my watch. I've been borrowing it um, from a buddy. It's uh, Omega Seamaster calendar um, with the old bumper uh, movement. It's pretty cool. I like the, uh, the, the uh, there's a lot of these, but it's all about the patina on this one. It is, I don't think I showed, I didn't wear this one when we met up, huh? No, 
No, I wore the up Bruce to the Lee. camera, man. Let me see this thing. Yeah, I wore the Bruce Lee. Yeah, the patina on this thing is just, uh, it's gorgeous. It's like some sort of abstract painting almost. Uh, it's really hard to see on camera, even even in, even in pictures, but in person. Actually, that represents pretty well. It's It, it looks like, like the, uh, the tone, the color of the dial overall is like some linen dials that I've seen. Yeah, it's 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 a pretty neat one, and and I and I like it a lot. I'm borrowing it now. Um, my friend is selling it, uh, but but we'll see if uh, <laughs> I kind of want it myself. But we'll see. We'll see. I was gonna say, yeah, shoot me the uh, the horsepower on that on a text or something. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'll send that's... you a link. He's he's got a he's got a website. So keep peace. Uh, I'll send oh, it yeah. over. Yeah, yeah, of course. I I absolutely. I, I don't know how he'd feel about uh, me dropping his name, but I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's gorgeous. I usually like for if I'm ever on something, I, I typically wear my own watch. But I've been enjoying this one for the last couple of uh, maybe like a week or so. So really like it. That's cool. the The on loan from a bro TM watch program is is alive <laughs> and well in Southern California. It's mm-hmm. it's a great way to go. Well, and speaking of which, so when we got together live and in person um, a few days ago at Ogopogo Brewing here in San Gabriel you were wearing that like just a super legit crispy Bruce Lee. That was sourced from our buddy, Nick, right? That's a DC vintage paper. Shout out to Nick. Yeah, I was, uh, yeah, shout out to Nick. He helped me get, well, he he actually had it on his site and I swooped it up pretty fast. Um, But I know he helps folks get get some, but I saw that one and I immediately was like, I need to get that one. Um, A little background. My name is Brandon Lee Manancio. Uh, my dad was a big Bruce Lee fan and, uh, he didn't name me after Bruce Lee's son. I just happened to be Brandon, just like Bruce Lee's son. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was, uh, I have always had, always had like a cool thing for Bruce Lee. And I thought it was a cool opportunity to get a, get a watch sort of in honor of my dad. So yeah, it's a cool one. That is a great watch, dude. I've got a field trip idea for you. Hop on uh, on the gold line or from where you are, maybe just take Metrolink or whatever. Get off. No, I guess you'd have to do gold line because you want to get off in Chinatown. Have you ever seen the Bruce Lee statue there? Yeah, the, I have. I have. I actually took some pictures of it that I need to. Yeah, I went like on a little photo street walk session and took photos of that. It's really it's uh, I don't think my pictures turned out that great. That's why I never posted it. But yeah, it's a. Uh, it's a cool statue. Maybe uh, if I do a video on this watch, I'll do part of it there. Somewhere floating around, I've got you know hard copy film type uh, pictures of my daughters in front of that statue when they were little. We used to to ride the train down to Chinatown all the time and just let okay. them walk around and look at stuff. It was you know kind of a little cultural immersion in in something different. They loved it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a fun. Yeah, it's it's neat in living in LA, getting that opportunity. And then every time I'm in Chinatown, I eat a lot. And don't feel good. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully you feel better. I know that the not being able to have a drink on a boozy podcast is a bummer, but you're probably doing the right thing. Thank you. What what are you what are you drinking today? What's what's going on? Well, here I'll start with what is in the glass. So I I'm kind of cheating here because I did like the the two for here. But I, I called an audible. So this is Bottle Logic. This is what I poured. And I, I love this brewery. This is Bottle Logic. These guys are in, I believe, kind of your Belinda, Anaheim Hills area. And they do these great avant-garde 
you know, bottlings. And this is uh, something called Three on the Tree. It's a nectarine blonde ale. And I thought this would be perfect for today because it's relatively low ABV and it's a little punchy for, you know, IBU for a blonde ale. I mean, it's like, you know, 35 IBU. And um, honestly, I'm not feeling it. It's, uh, which is very unusual. I love pretty much everything Bottle Logic makes, but there's just a little bit of a chemically aftertaste. It's on the front. Mm. You know, when you take a sip of this, it's really good and kind of fruit forward, which usually I don't like, but this is, you know, uh, like stone fruit. It's, it's good. Mm-hmm. But the aftertaste is just chemically. So I kind of put it aside and I, instead I've, I'm going with something that I've been leaning on in warm weather lately. And we've got outside what it's probably 68 or 70 and sunny after, you know, a a round of rain. This is just, this is a no name concoction. It's basically like a rum refresher. So this is a hibiscus ginger beer. I don't know if you're familiar with that brand Q, you know, the the small cans. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's kind of that nice kind of lovely red color. Um, It's a very strong ginger beer um, with about uh, two ounces of Fresh pineapple juice floated on top and then uh, stirred up into it before you float that pineapple juice uh, is about an ounce and a half of dark rum. Oh, it looks refreshing. I mean, for a day yeah. like today, that's the perfect drink. It is. It is. It's, um, you know, it's maybe dangerous uh, because, you know, it is, it's like super quaffable and cold and all that stuff. It's got like the right amount of gas in it from the the ginger beer. But at the same time, like the the volume is so heavy, you probably wouldn't want to drink more than two because people can't see this. This is not like a a little. Uh, this is a, a full on, you know, twelve ounce glass. So you you probably would not drink more than two of these before you feel pretty full. But that's what's in the glass and the uh, the rum. In case anybody's asking, is uh, Mount Gay Black Barrel, which is a pretty good, uh, you know. Every day, I think maybe a little on the higher end for an everyday rum. I like it. And then on the wrist, dude, I wore this. I tried to pick something apropos of the guest. And this is the Titanium Grand Seiko 413, the Shunbun. And I think we are, this is sort of, we're watch brothers with this thing right now, I think. Yeah, yeah, I have one too. Love that thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it makes me feel some kind of way with the weather. I don't know if you can see this. Check out this shirt. <laughs> yeah, he's rocking it. Yeah, we got so- the, the definitely Hawaii vibes going on. Uh, this uh, did this weather do this to you? I mean, because we've had rain and kind of cold. I mean, for Cal for Southern California, that is, and now we have this bright sun um, in the middle yeah, of yeah. January. We had. Uh, I mean, it was rainy yesterday, and. Mm-hmm. You know, it just out of out of nowhere, we got this kind of uh, warm, sunny. I'd say it's what sky was probably one third cloud cover, like those beautiful fair weather cumulus clouds, like just piercingly white clouds in the sky, and it's very blue, mm-hmm. and the, you can see forever. So I've got the this is the Hawaiian shirt, the Ren Spooner. Um, I don't know what they call this, but it's like a limited edition. I'm totally into anything aviation or Pan Am. I used to work <laughs> in the airline industry. Mm-hmm. And Pan Am is like my favorite airline brand ever. And this is like, you know, the the print is a, from a couple of classic, um, like iconic travel brochures that they did, you know, presumably many, many decades ago. This would have been in the 30s, like at the advent of the Trans-Pacific Service. So the China Clipper, the Honolulu Clipper. Yeah. This is the Honolulu <clears throat> Clipper print. It's pretty cool. 
Yeah, you're looking so much livelier than me. I have this uh, drab green Uniqlo hoodie on while you look like you're on a vacation drinking a nice drink. And I have my cup of water. <laughs> I'm so boring compared to you. Oh, well, dude, I, I know I had the cold or viral syndrome or whatever was going around mm -hmm. like two weeks ago. And uh, yeah, it's it's a bummer. So I'm just sort of celebrating being on the upslope from that. I shouldn't jinx myself. I don't want to. Yeah, knock on wood here. Exactly. Well, hey, man, let's dive into it. I have a question for you. So if I was to kind of go back to the, the hackneyed flying analogies, if I was at like 30,000 feet flying over the landscape of Brandon, what do I see? What is the, the basic background of, of your life story? Like, where'd you grow up? First car, all that stuff. Oh, um, so hmm, it's not that interesting. I always feel like folks tell their life story. It's so cool. Mine's... Um, not as cool, but but I'll go for it. Um, I grew up as like an army brat, uh, moved around a bit until um, maybe I was 12 years old. Then I settled in um, Temecula, California, still Southern California. It's a, it's a wine country area. I didn't appreciate it back then because I was only 12, couldn't drink wine. Um, but yeah, 12 years old, I settled out there because um, uh, my dad got a job um, in the government in San Diego and he would commute there and stayed there, um, ended up going to uh, college in Southern California for a couple of years, but then I ended up transferring to an international school in uh, Japan, actually, uh, called uh, Asia Pacific University, uh, Ritsumekan, uh, and it was, uh, that was like life-changing for me, uh, being in a school out of the country. Um, and it wasn't just, again, it was an international school. So half the students were from all over the place. And then the other half were Japanese students. So I went to college there, um, graduated, um, <clears throat> and then came back. Uh, I thought of working out there, but I kind of missed home and I came back and, and, uh, I immediately just applied for, um, uh, look for work. I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, but I kind of wanted, I knew I was active. I, I was, um, I wanted to do something not in a desk. So I applied as for, for border patrol. So I was a border patrol agent for, um, like five years, um, out of Calexico, California, um, kind of middle of nowhere, really. Uh, I was there for a bit and then, um, was like, I can't live out here forever. And, and I, these hours are just insane. Uh, so I, I stayed in the federal government, um, but got a position out here in Los Angeles. And I've been here ever since. So I've been in Los Angeles since 2013-ish, I think. Yeah, 2013. Um, yeah, uh, been doing that. And then about uh, like a year and a half ago, maybe a little longer, um, I started, uh, I left my my job of like the federal government that is from like 14 years and uh, went full time in the watch world um, working as sort of a, the title was editor, but I, I would say it was more like a video producer slash content creator for Hodinkee. And I did that from uh, September, 2022 um, till like a couple months ago. So that's sort of like my career path, I guess you could say. Um, but yeah, uh, that's sort of how I got to, to where I am, uh, now. 
Well, that's cool, man. I understand Temecula pretty well, having you know been there many times. For people who don't know the area, think of it as kind of a, a basically equidistant between, you know, Los Angeles, Orange County, and San Diego. So you know, it's it's well inland. Um, it's a pretty area. It's a like really gorgeous like physical environment. A lot of you know hills and mountains, and like Brandon says, there's it's kind of a, a the other wine country here in Southern California. And there's, uh, I don't know, it's a lot going on, but like you say, probably hard to appreciate when you're, you know, 12, 15 years old. Um, what was your, you know, kind of, well, no, you didn't go to Japan until you were university, right? Yeah. So I was, uh, like, uh, I turned 21 in Japan. So I think I got there when I was 20 and I left when I was about 22, I think. Did you, do you speak the language or, you know, any kind of familiarity? (laughs) At the time I was conversational. Um, it's been, dang, it's been a long time now, almost 20 years. Uh, no, I'm not that great at all at this point. Um, but I went like four years ago and slowly I started to pick things up again and was getting around fine. Um, but as far as conversational, I'm not like I was before. Okay. I guess that makes sense. I mean, it's not a long time to spend there. And like anything, the, the, especially the more complex languages, when you fall away from it, if you're not speaking it, it goes quickly. Yeah. I should, I should pick that up again somehow, but um, no, not, not too good, unfortunately. Right on. Well, so a couple of just basic questions. I mean, you sort of alluded to it in terms of like first career, but what was like the first job for you as a kid? As a kid, so the first job, I actually had a passion for um, like fish tanks. I know it sounds weird, uh, but I was really in the fish tanks when I was like 15 or 16. And um, at some point, I, I wanted to go from... So there's like different types of tanks you can get into. There's like freshwater, there's saltwater, and then there's reef tanks. And of course, like the, the one I wanted to get into was the most expensive, the most difficult to maintain, the one you had to do the most research on. So I wanted a reef tank. And I felt like, uh, you know, I wasn't really making any money at all. I was like 15 or 16. So I decided to work at a local like reef tank shop and basically get discounts, make money there. So all the money I made at that, that tank or that, uh, uh, aquarium or fish store went back into like my reef tank. So yeah, I was like a youngster with like a reef tank. Um, God, I, I totally forgot about all this stuff. I'm, I was How so big was nerd. it? Uh, I had a 40 gallon. It wasn't even okay. that big, but it was a 40 gallon acrylic tank. But at the time, I mean, I'm not making any money. So everything was so expensive. The, the, the tank itself isn't a lot, but the lighting in order to keep the coral alive was expensive. The coral itself, the fish, the food, uh, the filtration system was, was pricey. So yeah, I worked at a, at a fish store feeding, just paying, like getting a discount there. And all my paychecks went to my fish tank. (laughs) I was a, I was a nerd. (laughs) I just remembered this stuff. Oh dude, I, I had a period (laughs) of of about five or six years of my life where I did the same thing, but like the, the African freshwater species. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool stuff too. And you could like, ah, the, the, I want to get another aquarium uh, somehow, but it's just that, I mean, I've been living in this condo for like 10 years, but there's always the thought of maybe moving somewhere else and kind of moving a tank is kind of hard. Uh, oh, it really is. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know, maybe one day, maybe like a mini reef tank, those little tiny five gallons, but I hear those are very hard to keep alive. 
Well, you know, that was what kind of put paid to my interest in the hobby was when, you know, I got married and we moved, um, you know, my wife and I moved in together and got a new place. And it was one of those things where it was like, okay, uh, I think this is kind of the end of this. <laughs> and I just, I, I just drew everything down, you know, found, yeah, found yeah. for things. And, uh, yeah, luckily kind of- I, for me, I got to, uh, it was when I went to college, I kind of had to give it all up, but I just, um, gave a lot of it back to the fish store. Uh, all the, the living things that is, I think I sold off the parts. Yeah, that is kind of funny for people who don't know, like if you have reasonably healthy, good fish, you know, that's people, people will take them from you. Yeah. Oh, I missed them so much too. I had like a mated pair of a uh, clown fish. Um, I had like this, uh, this is, I mean, very few people will know this maybe, but I had like a Midas Blenny and it's like this little like canary gold fish that would kind of long and slender, maybe like three or four inches long, maybe three inches long. And every time I would come home, he would like pop up and like swim back and forth in the aquarium. He was like a little puppy that I had. And, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I missed that. I should try to, I should try to do that again. Um, we'll see. We'll see. But I, yeah, we should, uh, let's, I should stop talking about fish. <laughs> I don't think people are tuning in for fish. Yeah, <laughs> you're right still now. with us. Thanks for, thanks for putting up yeah. <laughs> fish diversion um dude what about like first car what kind of are you it was a it was a hand-me-down um i had a um a 1994 uh chevy i mean i don't even call it mine uh it was a 1994 chevy silverado it was like maroon in color uh it was a v6 Uh, it had no power um but um that was my car. We had, uh, it was just sitting around the house for a while because my parents had other cars. And by the time I got my license, it was, uh, the car I drove around everywhere for like, uh, years. Yeah. No, that's the, cool, uh, you, you know how trucks nowadays have the, um, I mean, I think all trucks have this, like the bucket seats, but that one had like the bench. The bench was so cool. Cause you could fit like, you can add an extra person in there. It was, it was, uh, it was a good time in that truck. Yeah. Yeah. Young people may not even know that, you know, if you're uh, say under the age of like 30, that was the, the kind of the standard full-size pickup thing was the, you know, the bench front seat. And yeah, you, you'd have three people. I mean, in the seventies, you'd ride around as a little kid, you're sitting in between, there's probably no, no safety equipment whatsoever. (laughs) You know, it's just the the most dangerous thing ever. You just like, all right, let's go. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. This one was this one's a little more modern. It's a '94. It was just, uh, but it was it was a fun car to have as a as a first one. And it was a uh, it was a uh, extended cab, so people could sit in the back as well. So I was the one of the first in my kind of friend group to get a license. So I was hauling people around everywhere. Um, oh yes, yeah, probably yeah. moving people apartments too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any- my basketball teammates went everywhere with me in that thing. That is your cross to bear if you have a, a big truck as a kid. Yep. What about music, man? Is there anything that you grew up listening to? I, I don't usually ask people this stuff, but you know, uh, I think there's a, a cool kind of uh, cultural like through line. I think people know you if they're if they know who you are, they sort of know you as this cultural figure and watches. What kind of stuff yeah. did you grow up listening to? Uh, <laughs> I listened to. I mean, a lot of people will say everything but i i didn't really um 
Yeah, I listened to everything. Um, my dad was big into music. He was in a band when he was uh, in his college years, uh, mainly jazz. Uh, he played the saxophone, and I and I played the saxophone until I was like um, thirteen in school. Um, but a lot of jazz, um, a lot of. Um, I mean, I I personally wouldn't be playing jazz, but I heard a lot of jazz in the household, um, and I think that at the time you're not really you know, choosing to listen to that. But as you get older, you kind of gravitate towards what you listened to as a kid or what your parents did. And it was a lot of jazz for me. Um, but I was listening to a lot of uh, hip hop as a youngster. Um, not so much rock until I got a little older, uh, maybe um, older as in like 13 or 14. <laughs> um, I was listening to things that I'm <laughs> When you're like 12 and you're listening to some hip hop stuff, I can't, I listen to it now and I was like, I can't believe I listened to that stuff. It's crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, all kinds of music, man. Um, lately I've been, I mean, I, I've been, I listen to pop. I'll, I'll even listen to like Taylor Swift. Um, I, and then because I lived in Japan, I, I listened to some Japanese music, um, some J-pop here and there. But uh, I'm just all over the spectrum when it comes to music. I really am. Right on. Well, I think that's a the sign of kind of a a life well lived if you pick up all the, the different influences that affect the musical choices. You mentioned, you know, yeah, at a certain a certain age and below, what you listen to, let's be real, is what your parents listen to, or if you have over mm -hmm. o, o, older siblings, what they're listening to. And that's kind of it, you know. Yeah, for me, it was you know when I was late seventies, I'm. You know, seven, eight, nine, ten years old. It was yacht rock. I think is what we would mm. call it now. You know, is what my my folks listen to. Anyway, right on. Yeah. Well, cool, man. So, how did you get into watches? Like, I presume was it a hobby thing first, or was did the the video production interest lead you to watches, or how did it go? So, the video production and the watches kind of went uh, a little hand in hand. Um, I was. I've always sort of liked watches, but I never really got too into it or never thought too much of it. I remember 10 years ago or so, I don't remember exactly, um, seeing like John Mayer was wearing a watch and I did research to figure out what it was. And uh, it was an IWC big pilot. And then I saw the price and I was like, holy crap, like people pay this. Like I thought this watch he's wearing like on stage or something was like a you know, $200 watch or something, but no, it was like tens of thousands of dollars. I was like, this is crazy. So I kind of paused that and I was like, ah, whatever. And then years go by. And then at some point, um, I, um, got married and thought, Hey, like I'm buying this expensive ass wedding ring for someone. I kind of, you know, selfishly, I don't care about rings. Um, I want something I want something too. And the immediate thought is like, was like a watch. And, uh, I didn't get a watch just cause, um, I just didn't, I, I still thought they were too pricey. Um, but I did at the time get like a Seiko five, like from Amazon, um, a little automatic Seiko five for $69. And I wore that watch for a few years before I was like, look, uh, in my head, I was like, okay, uh, I, like, I want to watch. I know that uh, my wife got a ring. I think I should get something selfishly because <laughs> I'm a selfish bastard. And then I eventually settled on the, uh, I saw that the Black Bay 58 uh, was announced and 
I think the day or the day after it was announced, I reached out to um, a local authorized dealer. It was a Torneau that's in the, I think it was in the Culver City Mall, but it's not not Culver City, the Century City Mall. I think yeah, that's the one, right? Yeah, Century. Yeah, and it was it's not there anymore, but. Apparently, I got the first one that came in. I knew no one with the watch. It was surprising. Like I was, I never bought a watch from them. Um, yeah, so I, I got that watch, and then um, I had a watch. I had like a, like in my head, like a luxury kind of watch, and I wore that. I wore the hell out of that watch. It was beat up, um, and then sort of when was it? That watch was released like in twenty. 20- uh, 18 or something like that? It was or? 18. Yeah. The 58 yeah. was 2018. Cause I, I remember that was the year of the, the big three for sports watches were in mm-hmm. my opinion, right. You know, Rolex or whoever did whatever, but, um, was the, the black Bay 58, the black Bay GMT and the oh, new, yeah. the new Omega Seamaster. That's right. That's right. Those three came out. And and I was eyeing the Black Bay for a while, the regular Black Bay, but I couldn't get over like how, like not on paper how thick it was, but how thick it looked in person. Like the the side case was so big. So I, I just couldn't do it. And then, yeah, the Black Bay 58 came out and I was like, got to do it. All right, we had to pause there for two seconds. But dude, just to kind of back up on that for a second, I don't think that's selfish at all. That's exactly how, I wouldn't say that's not, that's how I got interested in watches, but that was how I got my first kind of big boy watch was after getting married. And my wife and I kind of collectively realized like that, that her thing, i.e., you know, a set of rings and everything was like way bigger and more, you know, important and more expensive and more cool. And she was like, you know, you've always wanted a watch. Let's get you a watch. And that's kind of how it went. And I've, I've been down the rabbit hole ever since. Yeah, same. I wonder if that's. I wonder if that's the case for a lot of um, folks getting married that are buying rings for the other person, and they're like, "Hey, I don't even care about rings. I want something." And they kind of go down that route. So look at that. Yeah, I think it's probably more common than we think. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's sort of how I got started. And then I got that watch in 2018. And then in 2020, the pandemic happened. Um, And during that time, there was, you know, a lot more free time on my end. And I've always sort of been interested in making videos and not watch videos at all. Like I would watch a lot of tech videos. Um, I liked watching stuff from The Verge, Um, Marquez Brownlee on MKBHD. And I, cause I've always been into tech and I thought maybe I'll make videos on tech at some point. Um, but during the pandemic, I was like, Hey, I'm interested in watches now. I don't see that many people making too many videos about watches. How about I start making videos on watches? So that's what I did. I had no real video background. I just, um, invested in like a camera, um, some lenses and, just went at it and started making some videos in the first, I, I did one on like a shoe. And then my first watch video was on my Black Bay 58. And that's sort of how it all started for me. Well, the videos are great. I mean, that's how I came to kind of be aware of you. I think, you know, over and above, you know, any other presence you had, all of a sudden it was just, boom, here's this, this presence on Hodinky and, I mean, if I can be blunt, I think there's two or three people historically who've just done it really well to, in a way that speaks to me and people like me who are interested kind of in in tool watches and, and legacy brands and things that have like a neat story. 
and you know, I think it's pretty obvious, right? It's, it's, it's James basically. Right. And Cole and the idea that here comes this guy that I've never heard of before. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm was blown away by like the quality of the video, the insightfulness, but you have a very good, even down to things like, you know, the cadence of the speech and things like that. You just a great video presence. You did a great job, right? As somebody who is not like an established professional, do you not, you know, the elephant in the room, right? Is that you're not with Odinky anymore. Do you have plans to continue to do that kind of content creation? Are you, you looking to continue to do videos and things like that? Or is there anything in the works? To be honest with you, I don't know. Um, I'm not quite sure because I was with them full time uh, and I'm considering going back to uh, the government and maybe doing video stuff part time for fun. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of just, um, yeah, I'm not sure. I have all these kind of ideas in my head of what to do. And I think that the thing is sort of just starting to do them and I'm having a hard time just starting to do them. Um Part of me was is like, oh, maybe I'll work at a um, another sort of publication or brand. But part of me is like, I just want to do this stuff for fun. Um, when I started doing it, it was all fun. And not that it was um, terrible or anything when I was doing it for work. But, you know, when your hobby becomes like your work, then it does sort of feel like work. So I think more than likely I will start my YouTube channel up again in some way. Uh, I think I want to give it a different vibe. And then also I don't want to just be, just be me. Uh, I think I want to kind of show the stories of other folks and, and people in, and kind of highlight the Los Angeles area, because I think that um, there's a lot of uh, like watch media outlets in um, on the East coast um, covering stuff that's going on out there. But I feel like there's not much coverage out here and there's a lot of cool stories to tell a lot of cool people to meet. And I kind of want to show that off somehow and put Los Angeles on the map. So that's kind of where my head is at right now, how that's going to happen. I'm not sure, but um, we'll see. We'll see. I'm going to meetups, meeting folks. And uh, there's some folks I think that uh, would be excited to be on camera and do stuff on camera. There's some people that I think would be really good on camera that are local out here and, um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I still have gear. I can still make stuff. I mean, even when I was working at Hodinkee, I was basically a one man band. Um, uh, my brother would help out here and there, but, um, we can make some magic happen. I just got to figure out kind of what route I want to take in that. Um, whether it's fun, whether it's for work, uh, but leaning towards fun and, uh, but we'll see. That's still something I haven't fully hashed out yet. You know, I, I understand completely. I mean, I hope that does work out. And, you know, certainly I think me and Greg would like to, you know, keep, keep tabs on how that develops. Cause we, we like the idea of the California, Southern California in particular watch scene being developed. I mean, you think, you know, up in Northern California, my impression is that scene is, is pretty mature and, and well-developed and represented in the Bay area. And in LA there's huge, I mean, there's, there are big watch personalities here. Um, and there's a, a lot of watch enthusiasm and we have good retailers. So there's, there's a lot of potential. I, I hope that piece all works out. I think it can, you just gotta yeah, as yeah. You say, keep, keep it fun so that, you know, people, what's that axiom, right? That, you know, you do what you love, you never work a day in your life, but that there's, there's a way eat that, that can easily go sideways, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. eventually it, it does become work. 
Yeah, it does. And I think that also, I don't know, I think that if I'm doing it on my own, um, it would be more of, you know, I'm in control of what what comes out or, or what I want to do a video on. It doesn't have to be um, sort of, I don't have to listen to anyone else just make stuff I want to make, which is, you know, kind of the fun part. Whether people watch it or not, that doesn't, that's not super important for me. It's like, did I enjoy making it? Did I enjoy making it? Am I proud of the work that I made? And that's kind of what, what will matter in the future videos that I may or may not make. <laughs> no, in fact, I'm, we'll talk about it offline after I'm having like the light bulb, you know, mm-hmm. like grew light bulb um, moment here about something that we'll, we'll talk about after, um, that might be a lot of fun actually as a potential yeah, project yeah. or maybe not, maybe I'm all wet, but well, dude. So, I mean, that's, that is potentially what's next for you, but getting back to watches, is there like a, a genre or a style of watch that you gravitate towards in your personal collecting? Uh, if you ask, if you look at the collection, there's like four grand Seikos in it. Um, which, which I think it's, it's too many, but, uh, I gravitate towards, so just like, I'm, I'm having trouble saying this because I think we all go through phases or we can change our minds about things or, you know, one week you like a dress watch, then you like tool watches one month, you like this type. And I think I really am sort of all over the place. I like all kinds of watches. And I think as long as the watch is, um, or the brand or the watch is making high quality pieces that, that are visually stimulating to me, then I like them. Um, but as far as what's in my collection, uh, I've gravitated towards kind of, uh, watches that, well, if you're going to go into Grand Seiko, uh, my Grand Seiko is just watches that have, um, sort of where, you're getting a lot for how much you're paying. I mean, with, with finishing, with the, the, the quality of the work, the movement um, technology, uh, things like that are sort of what draw me in. And then also the, the dials are just, um, they tell sort of stories that, that some folks might not relate to, sort of like, because I know a lot of the dials tie into nature. But I think for me, since I did live in Japan, I think those dials sort of um, resonate with me, especially the Shunbun that you're wearing, um, because I remember um, being at like like parties when the cherry blossoms would bloom and you kind of uh, hang out under them with like, uh, and you drink and you eat and it's like a party. And like when I wear that watch or seeing that watch, it, it brings me back to those times. Uh, so so sort of that style is is something that I, sort of like, but I'm also, I mean, I have had, and I own a Tudor right now, a Tudor Black Bay, um, the new sort of, uh, regular Black Bay with the burgundy dial. And I wear that. Oh, is thing. that the new one? The, the thinner with the, yeah, yeah. The oh, newer dude, one that's, that's a great watch. That is such a good one. Yeah. I love that one. Um, it's so as it watches and wonders <laughs> and I got to see it in person and I thought immediately, okay, this is my next watch. And I, I tried to buy it, I think, this the same day, but I think it was because Tudor actually announced the watches that day, and then they had a boutique um, in Geneva that was selling the new watches. Um, but the thing is, like, they would get watches throughout the day, 
and they would sell out throughout the day. So I would go at the end of the day and they didn't have any. So I was like, damn it. Uh, so I ended up getting it when I came back here. Um, and yeah, I, I, it's a, it's, I got the one on the five link, five link or Jubilee. And it's, that's the one to get. Yeah. It dresses it up a little bit, but I still wear it. Like I wear it on bike rides. I wear it kind of everywhere. And then I think I want to kind of, I want to put some life into that watch. I want to get it a little beat up. Um, so yeah, I like tool watches too. Um, dress watches. I'm currently on the hunt, I think for a gold watch. Um, I don't know which one yet. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you are my brother from another month. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, yeah, I, that's been on my mind a lot lately. Uh, there's a, a core group of like watch friends that, you know, do other podcasts and mm-hmm. those guys and us, like we are constantly talking back channel, like somebody's going to get a constellation, right? Because once, once one of us does, we all, Oh, will. I listened to the, yeah. When you guys mentioned that one, the, 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 the modern one, right. Which I, I don't think I've ever seen anyone wear that. So I, I've only ever seen one or two on wrist, maybe ever. And when I say modern, I'm talking like stuff within like the last 10 years. I like mm-hmm. them. I know they're kind of polarizing because they're, they're definitely, they're thicker, but I'm, um, I'm okay with that. I know a lot of people would say, okay, the sweet spot is in the eighties or the sweet spot is like mid, mid to late nineties for those watches. I think they're really cool. It's a completely different visual look, but it's still to me like art decoy every mm-hmm. bit as much as something like you know a tank even mm-hmm. though it's a completely different vibe but if you mm-hmm. like something you know art deco you can at least i hope i'm right in terms of design somebody's gonna in you know send us a text <laughs> like actually that's Art, you know or yeah whatever. definitely not an art major over here i'm pointing <clears throat> yeah. at myself so i can't correct you me either but um you know that's something that's like a completely different like a sportier way to to have that that feel um or we have a friend here in southern california patrick shout out to to uh, balsell but they uh, i'm sorry balsell oh my god bremoir sorry now they're now they're both going to be mad sorry patrick uh but bremoir this guy does these amazing um you know architectural referenced watches and that's what kind of the the omega constellations mm-hmm. remind me of anyway off on on that tangent um so uh, eclectic, I don't think four, by the way, is too many Grand Seiko. That's perfectly fine. And I understand completely about that cherry dial, man. It's it's bitching. Yeah, yeah, it's lovely. I, I actually recently picked one of those up. It was uh, like two or three months ago. And that's the watch that I kind of wanted from the very beginning. And for some reason, I, I, I guess it's the thought that it's kind of always going to be there. And uh, yeah, I eventually was able to pick it up. And I, and I love that thing. Um, but yeah, I, I think I do have four. I think I'm going to get rid of a few just to fund this gold watch that I have not decided on yet. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Um, what other I'm, Grand Seikos do you have? I have the White Birch. Um, nice. I have the um, the one you have. I have the uh, SBGM 221, which is the GMT in the Elegance Collection with that sort of ivory colored dial. I know um, it exactly. Greg yeah. constantly lusts after that watch. Yeah, that's one watch I'll never um, get rid of. That's uh, a gift from my wife. And I think that also that watch just goes with everything. And it looks just so good. I, I can't. That That's probably my favorite. That one is probably my favorite Grand Seiko. Um, so that's three. And then I have the um, 
you know, I lied. I have five Grand Seikos. Jesus. And then I have, uh, I have the, the, I think it was released like a year or two ago. It's like this, uh, uh, 44 GS case. It's smaller. It's a manual wine. It's the SBGW289, I believe. It's on a, a metal bracelet. Um, it's, a it's like 37 millimeters. It's, it, it's, uh, that I have that one. It's like a, and it has like a subtle pink dial, um, that I think I will sell. So that's one that I think will go. And then I have another one, which is the SBGE245 that's in their like sportier collection. It's got, it's a GMT. It has like a, uh, the rotating bezel. The, um, the insert is like sapphire. The dial is like a dark, dark, um, burgundy, but like most of the time it just looks black. Um, and it's like 43 millimeters. It's, um, I, I enjoyed my time with it, but that one also is, is probably going to go. Well, we might have to talk after this. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. Well, it's, it's funny. Cause Greg, I know, um, always likes that, that GMT, which I know you said you wouldn't part with, but the other yeah. one he likes is the, uh, the Shunbun, right. And mm-hmm. that I know that that, smaller 37 millimeter watch that you talked about i can picture it in my head and that would be a pretty good alternative that would uh kind of suit his wearing style i don't know maybe we will do a, a watch they, matchmaker here yeah if he's interested but yeah it's it i i love it i just think that having the shroom and that one is kind of redundant for me maybe um so uh one has to go and i and i love the 413 a lot so that one's probably a keeper Dude, that's good stuff, man. All right, so this is kind of uh, random, but who are your horological heroes? <laughs> My heroes, huh? Um, uh, it's tough to say. Um, when I, I say horological, I don't necessarily mean like a watchmaker. I mean, I'm not talking about just people know, in before, the watch world. Before, I guess yeah, you people, say. people in in the arena. Um, as far as um, hmm. So not necessarily because of the watches that this person collects, um, because I, I probably have different opinions on it. Um, but I think someone like um, Adrian from Bark and Jack, um, because I'm a video maker, he was sort of one of the first that I saw online making, you know, videos on watches. And he kind of, he really did inspire me to sort of start doing that. Um, so it's not necessarily the watches th- that he collects or even how he collects. It's just the fact that he's kind of an OG in this sort of uh, watch YouTube world. And he kind of inspired me to do what I'm doing. Um, so, yeah, someone like him, because I'm not just like we're all we're all like watch collectors. Right. But I wouldn't consider myself to be like hard, hardcore. I feel like I'm sort of that mix of like watch collector slash video creator, which I don't think there's many of them, but um, yeah. So I appreciate sort of both in sort of capturing watches, whether it be in photo or video. So I appreciate that aspect, but also the watches themselves. So yeah, someone like Adrian um, from Bark and Jack inspired me. Um, As far as collecting like watches, I don't know. I mean, some of these people have, you know, money beyond control and their watches are cool. And if I had the money, I could have the same watches. So I don't really give a shit. Um, but yeah, the, I, I guess I don't really have a collector hero in mind. Um, but I know some people that really look up to some collectors and yeah, they're just like 
I don't know, rich people with money. So I don't know. I, I won't get into that too much. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you know what? I, I understand because <laughs> there's, there's almost a point at which um, it doesn't, it's not so much collection, collecting or curating, if that's like the word of the moment or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, at some point, if you don't have to sort of struggle, do the research, make the sacrifices, do the planning, and I'm, I, I get it, right? On some level, everybody can cross the threshold into a place, even if you have like millions of dollars to spend on watches, where you can get back into that arena where it mm-hmm. is, um, there is some challenge. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you just have that much money where you can be a completist, I remember seeing something on video. I don't remember where it was. And it was a person who had essentially every you know reference for the past like 40 years of certain types of Patek in every metal. So <laughs> I have it in white gold. And then here's the exact same you know model in platinum. And then here's the exact same model in gold. Now let's put that down. And here's the next slightly different reference in white gold and in plat. And that's the kind of thing where, okay, well, that's not really collecting. I mean, you have a lot of money and, you know, presumably the brand just gives you everything as it comes out. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, cool. Kudos, but that's, yeah, to me, that's I mean, cool, it's just right? a lot of money where, you know, as, um, you know, somebody who's got to kind of plan and, and scrape and struggle. I don't know. That's for some reason it shouldn't be. But it is it is a little more respectable to me too because it's more interesting. You have to yeah. prioritize. You have to choose. Somebody who does not have to choose, it's their choice is I'll take everything. Yeah. yeah. If you're empowered enough to be able to say my choice is everything, that's not a choice. Yeah, yeah. And I guess I guess my heroes. This, this sounds kind of cheesy, but are just the folks that I meet that collect watches and we talk about like our struggle and what we're sort of. It's not a struggle, but like this, like this. Uh, figuring out yeah, sort of what you, you want super first worldy right <laughs> yeah it's not a struggle at all but this like this conversation of like oh i want i need i have too many maybe i should downsize the collection or 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 maybe i should increase it or i'm looking for this watch and and i'm like spending like a couple years trying to find that specific model at the right price i mean People like that are just the fun folks to talk to, and 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 in the uber rich world, there's people just like that too. So um, you know, it's it's, it's you know, everyone's sort of uh, if you're into it and you're having a good time, you're my hero. <laughs> there you go. That's actually a pretty good answer. Right yeah. on. Right on. Well, dude, any other passions or hobbies? Anything else that you're doing right now or that you've kind of done throughout your life that have you know held interest to you? Um, I mean, right now it's, it's been watches, it's been videography. Um, but I, I ride bikes often, which is also a, uh, I'm not great, but it's a, that's another kind of hobby that that's more expensive than it should be. Um, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a big, uh, avid road cyclist. Uh, I need to get out there on the road more, uh, now that the rain is sort of done. Um, been riding i'm kind of new to it though i'm a pandemic rider i started during that time when we didn't have uh gym access um uh and then running i have like a bad knee so running's not the the best thing for me so i got into bikes um yeah that's kind of my biggest hobby and then i like tech um but tech like collecting tech can be kind of wasteful because you're you can't buy into all the stuff that's coming out every year. So I kind of stopped with that. Um, but yeah, I'm just uh, cycling, hanging out. Nothing too crazy, man. I'm kind of a, just a normal old guy. 
No, I get it, dude. I I changed my uh, cycling as well, my habits during the the pandemic, you know, and completely, I think, kind of hung them up in terms of mountain biking. And now I have a gravel bike that is essentially a a road bike. It's a a grocery getter. I think we were talking about it. I I ride bikes the way, you know, the Danes do. I get on, I ride to a place. I do the thing that I get back on and ride back. Dude, I want to back up. I have a watch related question. I didn't yeah. um I didn't ask you, but it it and I didn't think of prior. So it's not like on my notes or anything like that. But you mentioned the fact that like kind of one of your starting watches was a Black Bay 58 and that you've got that the the kind of the most current, you know, Black Bay 41, the the Burgundy. It's an amazing watch. Like money's no object. I would love to have that watch. Um but I do have to make choices. My question is, dude, what do you think? I mean, people, do you want to engage in like two or three minutes of wild speculation? What are we going to see from Tudor in the Ooh. next, you know? Oh, I've never done this year. before, <laughs> but I've watched videos on this. Uh, speculation is this all, look, we have no idea. And I don't have any inside knowledge, even though I do know uh, a couple of people that work for Tudor, but I have no inside knowledge whatsoever. Um, guessing, let's see. So I do, I am aware that the, so the new Black Bay 41 that I have is uh, Meta certified. And I think that during the, the meeting that we had with them at Watches and Wonders, the conversation was, we want to have more movements Meta certified. So my guess is we will see another watch that's Meta certified. Um, I'm, I'm going to guarantee that one. Um, which one that is, I'm not sure. Will it be another, uh, regular black Bay, maybe in a different color? Who knows? Um, maybe a black Bay 58, um, with, um, meta certification. Maybe, uh, it's kind of weird that the, a lot of their newer watches have the, um, the new T-Fit clasp. And I think probably their most popular watch, the black Bay 58 still has the older clasp on it. Maybe that's something that will be updated along with the movement. I'm not sure. I doubt it will be in the same color as the black Bay 50, but I have, I have no idea. I'm not good at speculating this stuff, but, uh, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. What do you, what do you think's coming? Well, I think I, your, your idea about Metas, I think is a uh, bang on. I think that's mm-hmm. gotta happen. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think, I think that will be a watches and wonders thing because they do have that, you know, kind of that habit of doing one or two things at watches and wonders and then one or two things on the second half of the year. Um, I wonder if there's going to be another piece with Meta certification, as you say, I wonder too, if there's not going to be a, um, a new uh, variation. I don't know if it'd be a new reference number or whatever, but I wonder if they're going to downsize the they call it like a five link or five row or whatever. Don't whatever it is, we call it the don't call it a jubilee jubilee. But the the Tudor Jubilee, if they downsize that so that it can work with the 58, um, mm. that would be amazing because that is super popular, as you probably know, on the aftermarket. You know, um, I think Forstner does one for that. Uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I know a lot of people who have those or they they look for them. So I could see that happening. Um, I would love to see maybe the black bay that you have in another colorway. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe a uh, kind of a ghosted blue or something like that. But you know, Metas. I think the other thing is you mentioned that the 
there's a few watches that still don't have T-Fit and the GMT, which is a watch that's kind of near and dear to my heart. That watch has not been physically downsized or have any had any significant case alterations or updates to that bracelet. That might be one that they go, you know, and and follow uh, the crown, you know, by offering an option with that or making it a little smaller or a little thinner. I think what I'd really love is not so much to see it in a 58 case, but to see it in the case of the watch that you have just a little oh. thinner. Yeah, that would be really nice. Um, hmm. That the thing that would, that, that I mean, who knows, but the thing that would make me think they are not doing that is because last year they did the, the opaline dial. That's like, that's, the same as the like as far as sizing i, I believe as far as sizing bracelet, I think it everything is. Is, is the same as the original and it would i it would be kind of tough for me to think that they would release a brand new you know case uh, design or bracelet just one year later after releasing a new color but i hope they do but um but but i don't know if that'll happen um yeah and then huh the blue what what order was the the original Black Bay, um, uh, what colors, what, what was the order of the colors? It was red, and then it was, um, was it black and then blue, or was it blue and then black? I don't remember. I, I don't remember. I just remember burgundy was first. I want to yeah. say it was burgundy, then blue, then black. Yeah, my, I would guess they might go in that same order, not year year after year, but maybe the next one would be... Um, um, blue or uh, whatever was second. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think the Black People, Bay 58, something's going to happen with the Black Bay 58. Something. They have to with the clasp. Something. I would hope so. Cause I mean, that is the, you know, it's a beautifully made bracelet. I, I could really mm-hmm. take or leave the rivets. I know, you know, people hate it, but, um, mm-hmm. I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it either. I would rather just have, you know, what you, what you would get on, uh, like a stainless version of what you would get on the um, full size uh, Pelagos. Yeah. I think that would be cool, but yeah, that would be a, a good update. I think a lot of people think there may be a blue uh, Pelagos 39. I don't think they're ever going to, there's ever going to be a Pelagos GMT. I would love to see it. And I know nah. there's people out there that are, that are clamoring for it. It would probably sell like hotcakes, but I, I just don't see that ever happening. Yeah, I don't either. And I don't think they've released any of those Pelagoses during Watches and Wonders, have they? Like any of them. Um, as far as recent, like the uh, FXD fixed or the the 39. Um, the 39 and the FXD um, and the new, the black FXD were all off cycle like, releases. Yeah, like, yeah, they like, were. Yeah, like late summer mm-hmm. um, kind of thing. Yeah, so I don't, but I do see some sort of Pelagos this year. Um, maybe not Watches and Wonders, but um, yeah, probably like a blue 39. Um, but I doubt GMT. I just doubt it. You know, what? it'd be rad. Can you imagine if they, you did that, uh, you did a very good, uh, if I do say so myself, um, video on the the Seamaster 300 in green, right? Oh, for <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. What if, what if they did a green? 39 oh what 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 shade of green would they do huh that'd be interesting to to see imagine if it's like the same 
um, I don't know how to describe this because the the way the saturation levels work, it looks so different when you're talking about like the flat um, ceramic that they use in the Pelagos versus like the brighter ceramic that they use in, let's say, in a Submariner or that yeah. Omega uses where it's like a bright color. But think of something like that, you know, the the modern Cermit or, you know, the mm. Hulk color, but fla- yeah. but flatter, you know, probably a, um, a little bit more white underneath it, mm-hmm. you know, in a, a flat uh, effect, you know, so that it's not shiny. I think that would look amazing. Yeah, it, it would really depend on how they did that green. But I, yeah, they, they wouldn't go shiny because it's like, it's very tool watchy, the Pelagos line. That'd be interesting to see. And that'd be something I'd, I kind of want to see. Yeah. Oh, maybe you called what they're releasing this year. Oh, <laughs> I, I doubt it. I think that's too good. <laughs> the brands never give us what, what would be really awesome. I mean, there's a lot of cool things though. They have to, I'm sure, think about things with staying power. People talk about purple watches right now and some of them look really cool, but I just don't know how cool that looks in 10 years, 20 yeah, years. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. It'd have to. We'll a see. Black Bay 58 in black is always going to look good. The mm-hmm. watch you have is always going to look good. Mm-hmm. You know, Pelagos always going to look good. So who knows? Yeah, and then they had the 54 last year. Maybe a new color for that. I'm not sure. I could see that. Which, yeah, and I love the 54. I felt like it fit great, looks great. Um, yeah, maybe something like that this year. But we'll have to – we'll wait and see. I, I know for sure that whatever happens – I need to keep my wallet in my pocket and not get all crazy and uh, <laughs> be happy with what I got right now and keep my eyes on the prize, the gold watch. That's it. No, that's the way to go. I um, I think that would probably be sort of the, the next level thing for me to, uh, you know, yeah. something gold or I, I'm from, you know, the eighties and nineties were kind of my formative years and, you know, the steel and gold watches were very popular back then mm-hmm. and not, you know, not ironically. So I, right now I think I could probably get like a, a steel and gold Seamaster 300 or a 300 M and feel pretty good. Just I'm, mm-hmm. I'm done. Thanks. Okay. I don't know if I need a full gold, but on the other hand, that full gold, uh, you know, something like a full gold Submariner or f- full gold Speedmaster would, I wouldn't kick that out of bed. Oh no, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, the day date's on my mind, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Right on. Well, hey, dude, I've got a couple more just kind of, e- this one might not be an easy question, but uh, I'm just sort of curious because I think this sort of question reveals a lot about like what a person thinks about, you know, in terms of life and what they like to do and hobbies and stuff like that. Imagine for a second a scenario here, Brandon, where you have 30 days free, uninterrupted, and you have a million dollars to spend on travel. Where do you go? What do you do? What kind of stuff do you do? Do you do, you do any shopping? You could do, you know, you can go to Geneva um, and do some high-end shopping for 30 days if you want. Or you can go to Tokyo and just eat the best sushi of your life for for a month. Or although Do I, I go to one to, place or do I, can I go to multiple no, places? No, 30. Okay. Yeah, 30 days, you know, pick, right. pick an itinerary. What would you want to do? Uh, first, I would buy a really nice bike, bicycle. Um, maybe go to like Spain, Italy, or France, um, and ride for a couple weeks. Um, 
and uh, stay at uh, the nicest hotels every night. Um, I would do, I'm not even coming close to spending a million dollars though. So <laughs> I got some spending to do. Um, so I would do that for like two weeks maybe. Um, and then, uh, I don't know. I might just be happy with that. Um, uh, but I do need to buy some watches, huh? Cause I have lots of money. Um, I think I would, um, probably head out to, ah, this was something that we were planning on doing, but never happened, but head out to Tokyo and do some vintage watch shopping, um, by, I'm just, I'm not going to spend a million dollars. I don't think Jesus, a million dollars is a lot of money to spend in 30 days. <laughs> uh Oh, I think I lost you. You there? Uh oh. And we're back, dude. That was we had some kind of catastrophic technical failure there, but uh, thanks for your patience, man. We I think we've we've we're holding the wires together, and they're signaling in. Yeah, we need an IT team here. Yeah, for sure. Well, it just I think it goes to show it's I think we basically what we came down to is your your computer and connection is good, and my computer and connection is good, and the <laughs> server that we're going through maybe just. Uh, you know, had a, a brain fart or something. So, you know, yeah, hopefully something we funky. just put we're these back. together. That's yeah. it. We are, we're back, baby. Yeah. Right, man. Well, there's not, uh, not too much more to go. I think we were starting to say again that, you know, you might, if you had 30 days and, and, you know, a million oh, yes. dollars, you might have do something in Tokyo. If you even want to go back to that, are your train oh, of thought? Oh, no, no. Because I been. think we got broken up. I I, I think mm -hmm. it was, I, I was having a hard time spending a million dollars, but I know that the first thing that I would do is buy, um, maybe I won't even buy a bike. I would just spend the money to travel to certain parts of Europe to, to ride my bike uh, for weeks and then stay at the fanciest hotels every night, eat the best meals every night, and then wake up in the morning and or, and then hire some like folks to massage me every day so I can be prepared for the ride the next morning and do something like that. Um, bring some friends with me. We could all ride together, um, something like that. And I wouldn't come close to spending the million dollars. So after that, maybe like after two or three weeks of doing that, maybe fly out to Tokyo. And this was uh, something that I sort of had planned already, um, uh, but it didn't happen. But um, for a video. Uh, but go to Tokyo, do some vintage watch shopping, buy some watches. Um, and, uh, that's kind of it. I think I would, I would come out not spending enough money, but Hey, I had a good time. Totally. Well, going back to your, you know, your cycling adventure, you could, instead of like, you know, packing a, a sack lunch to carry in a, you know, in a, a frame bag or something like that, or an apple or whatever, you just pay somebody to cruise around in a sprinter van behind you. Like, oh a yeah, full, no, but I should pay gourmet, for a team. Yep, a whole team gourmet setup. Like, you know, you're going to pull to the side of the road at a at a, a beautiful vista someplace. You're looking at the Alps, and they're going to make like a, a raclette for you, or you know, oh so. yeah, that would be yeah. So something like that, yeah, just all into sort of that like cycling trip, making it. Of course, tough because I'm riding, but also easy um, um, for myself when I'm not riding. Yeah, something like that. That'd be that'd be real fun. That does actually sound pretty rad. I yeah. I could see that for sure. 
Well, right on, man. The only other question I had for you really, and you kind of already answered it, it's been woven through in here. I was going to ask you, what do you have any watches on the radar? But it sounds like, you know, a, uh, a gold watch of some kind is, is deep in the imagination. Yeah, it's something deep in the imagination, but I'll have to go deep in the pockets to get one. Um, something gold, I, I'm kind of, I am looking at some day dates, um, kind of waiting for the right one to come around, seeing if maybe I'll unload a couple watches to get one. Uh, day dates are on my mind, maybe some dressier gold watches that come on a uh, leather strap. I'm not sure what, maybe something from Patek, maybe something from... Um, who knows? Maybe even going like uh, something more affordable. It could even be vintage Omega, um, uh, something gold there. Um, just gold is on my mind lately. Um, something that I can wear and sort of, um, not sort of, just but actually just keep. You know, I'm kind of tired of, um, you know, swapping watches sometimes or selling watches. But just something that's gold that I can keep for. For a long time and grave the back put something funny or cool or meaningful on the back and call it my own but it would be something that was uh, uh second hand or, or vintage i'm not sure nothing new nothing new there right on yeah no so no uh aichis but you know greg has <laughs> greg has like a really attractive kind of timeless looking um like tonneau shaped omega deville Mm, you know, with, nice. with yeah. cool numerals on it and it's a full gold kind of dress watch and you can, you can kind of dress that something like that down a little bit. I love that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a dress watch person at all, but those watches speak to me a lot. Yeah. They're, they're gorgeous. And there's something about the, the older, the vintage gold is, it's cooler to me than a lot of the newer stuff. I love the Kratos, um, and I would definitely own one, but they're, I think they're a little, um, they're outside of my budget, <laughs> but, uh, I, I can appreciate them and love them, but they, they're still not quite, they don't have the charm to me of maybe like a vintage, uh, vintage, like day date or something. I, I don't know. I don't know. No, I get it. I think, you know, as much as great as they are, like they're kind of this technical artistic tour de force, but they're kind of sterile looking. Yeah. 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 Anyway, well, dude, I appreciate it. I appreciate you putting up with the uh, the weird kind of technical gremlins, but I think we, you know, hopefully made this happen in the end. And you know, just uh, on a personal note, it's been great to meet you, man. I'm I'm glad that you uh, are someone we can reach out to and kind of wrap the arms around into the the Southern California watch fam, man. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, big time. Cool. Well, I tell you what, I know you've just got water going and I'm down to kind of the, uh, the dregs of my, <laughs> my mini cocktail here, but this will be the last sip. Cheers to you, dude. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to rate us on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help. You can find us on Instagram at spirit of time podcast and contact us at spirit of time podcast at gmail.com. As always, please drink responsibly. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.